said, uh, last week was number one on the list that you guys wanted was dealing with difficult people. And uh, you guys are so difficult. I didn't want to really. No, I'm just teasing. But we, we dealt with that last week. Number two has been this. And so uh, this is really right in, in line with what I think we need to hear today is dealing with stress. Who doesn't? Is anybody ever not deal, dealt with stress? If you say, I've never been stressed, then we have to cast out the spirit of lying. Uh, but, I mean, I think we've all had that, especially, you know, if you're alive and breathing. The message is called, This Too Shall Pass. And, and so I want to talk about just stress a little bit today. So I want to be, uh, I want to be proactive if we can, and so to speak, and we can get some things uh, taken care of. And I want us to look at another perspective. Turn to your neighbor and say perspective. Perspective is, uh, is key when you try to change your mindset, how you view things. Looking at things in a negative way or looking at things in a positive way or what you see is different than what somebody else sees. We're in football season and that's pretty typical. You know, you can say like he was out of bounds and then they show you the instant replay and either he was or he wasn't. And you see, you know, you have a better advantage than maybe the ref that's right there and what he saw. And, you know, sometimes those decisions get overturned and I get all of that. But really, if we think about it, it is the viewpoint that they had or perhaps somebody blocked their view or their perspective or their mindset. If we are more negatively minded, we look at things from a more negative point of view, a more pessimistic point of view than if we are optimistic or positively minded. I believe that Jesus was an optimist and positively minded. Reminds me of a couple guys running from a grizzly bear. Grizzly bear could run about 35 miles an hour and is chasing these two men down. One's a positive guy, one's a negative guy. And the positive guy stops. He has some tennis shoes around his neck and he stops and he starts putting on his shoes. And the negative guy says, dude, you are not going to outrun that bear no matter what your shoes look like. And the positive guy says, I'm not trying to outrun the bear, just going to outrun you. So, you know, it really changes our viewpoint if we begin to look and say, God, help me to deal with some of the things. Maybe if I could see it different, it wouldn't affect me the way that it does. And so we want to look at that. Matthew 14, 22 through 32 is our main scripture for this morning. And I'm going to read that. And you know the story. This is, uh, this is a pretty, uh, pretty cool. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, I mean, there are so many messages you could preach out of that, and you've probably heard many of them. You know, uh, we, we look at the outside circumstance and all of that, and we get our minds off God, and, and all of those work, and all of those are true. There's so many elements that you could just take that and say, God, you're just amazing. 
But I'm, what I'm trying to get to is we all have stress from one time or another. We deal with it from one time or another. How we handle it is, is what's key here. So there's storms that happen to everybody. And so, you know, the disciples were out on the lake and Jesus came to them. That's the story. And they had had enough. Have you ever been in a storm and you've had enough? Have you ever been where like, when is this thing going to end? I'm, I'm tired of it. <laughs> Can I just give you an example? Just, I mean, it might be little to you and it's kind of little to us, but yet sometimes isn't it the little things that pick away at you? Ah, <sighs> those wonderful little things. Well, we had in just like one or two days time, two fireplaces go out and it's starting to get winter and the refrigerator gave up the ghost. I can deal with fireplaces, but the refrigerator, I was like, ah, and, and it was a really nice refrigerator and it was, we've only had it six years. The warranty ran out in five. They were nice enough to tell me they would do nothing. So, you know, just getting all of that fixed, we got another refrigerator and we, you know, as, and again, I'm just talking perspective. You go look at a refrigerator and the refrigerator's great and you get it. When you get it home, you find out, I wish I would have just maybe thought that through a little better. Anybody? Okay. Got the refrigerator back. It's nice. Got the old one out. Got the new one in. It's not big enough. It fits the hole. But it's not big enough. I mean, you start putting mustard and ketchup and all that stuff in there. There's no place to put anything else. That's what it seems like, at least in our family. Because our family is like, you know, it's like a diner 49er. You know what I'm saying? There are people walking in the house all the time. Hi, who are you? Neighbor next door. Hi. You know, I mean, it's just what it seems. It's always a, there's happening stuff in the kitchen all the time. Just not big enough. So had to go and get another refrigerator, take the new old one out, and put the new one in. And I asked the, the guy that delivered it, I said, does this happen? He goes, more times than you know. He said, because they, what looks so good in the store, and it's still a great refrigerator, and when you get it home, you, start, you don't realize, has that ever happened when you bought a car? And then you start going, oh, wait, we, we got to put a car seat in this. I remember when kids were little, you, you don't figure some of that stuff. So again, perspective, just looking at, God, how do I do what uh, needs to happen? And I've had enough of this storm. So now we got the refrigerator that we like. It's all in and everything is good. But I think you can relate. Charlie Brown builds a beautiful sandcastle, works on it for hours. Stands back, looks at it. Just as he's admiring it, a storm comes and the ocean wave blows over the sandcastle. And he's standing there looking at once was his masterpiece. Now it's just leveled. And he says, I know there's a lesson in this, but I'm not sure what it is. Can you relate to that? God, I'm trying to figure out. Some of this stuff, every one of us has a sandcastle or something that seems to have been wiped out by a storm of life. It stresses us and sometimes almost stress to the max, but this too shall pass. We can get overwhelmed, but we need to tune into God. So where did the storm come from? You know, Pastor Gary is the question asker. Uh, you know, he's, he just wants to know, okay, so where did the storm come from? What, what caused the storm? And we can all say a lot of things. <clears throat> a lot of times we blame the devil, even though the devil needs blame for a lot. Because we don't want to blame maybe ourselves or just living in the world today. So the enemy could cause it. Perhaps other people brought the storm. Uh, the sinful world we live in. You know, we can't control all these people. And, and maybe we've done something or, 
or, you know, I don't, I don't know what the storm is. So we have to start asking God, what can I do? I mean, if, if rain's coming in your window, do you want to shut it or do you want to leave it open? So we got to figure out, God, what's this, what's this about? Life happens to everybody. Stress is optional. I mean, life is going to happen, but how we handle it, that's optional. That's up to us. Um, we live in a world of things that we, we worry about or things that we just get on our mind and on our heart and things keep us up at night and the list could just go on and on. First Peter 5, 6 through 9 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The enemy uses what he can to his advantage to derail you and to do, you know just to get the believer off course. May uh just to get them to concentrate on what's happening instead of of who really is in charge of your life. Here's a study, a study found that over 40% of what people worry about never happens. Some studies say nearly 90. That's amazing, but over 40% uh, 30% of that are over past issues that have happened and you cannot change them. So in other words, you're worrying about the past. There's nothing you can do about the past. It's just going to suck life from you. You can't change it. 22% were over petty, needless things that had no bearing or meaning to change any of the given situation or help it in any way. They're just things that didn't matter, but they just bothered you. So you'd worry about those. 8% were legitimate concerns. So stress and worry, it's kind of like a rocking chair, keeps you busy, but you don't go anywhere. I mean, we're just going to sit there and it's just going to fester. It's just going to pester us. And storms show some things about us. They show the nature of my faith. I mean, where I am in that, the strength of my commitment, the level of my maturity, the healthiness of my attitude, the measure of my teachability. You know, sometimes people don't want to know anything. I remember going to a, a hospital room, and when I walked in the room, because I went in, because somebody said, hey, would you go see my cousin's, uncle's, nephew's, third, you know, whatever. Uh, he's in the hospital, and he's, he's not doing well. They, you know, he's been given so much time to live. When I walked in the room, I had not even said hi, and he's cussing me out. I don't need you, preacher. Blank, 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 rasa, 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 get out of here. Yada, 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 yada. I had a card, and I said... On my way, I'm, you know, I'm going to leave that there. And so he can't stop me from praying out in the hall. So I did. I didn't try to make him mad. I didn't antagonize him and stand outside the door and go, I told you, I didn't do any of that. Just walked out the hall and prayed. In less than two weeks, uh, well, in just a few days, he called me and said, could you come back and see me? And I did, led him to Jesus. In less than two weeks, he was with Jesus. So what I'm telling you is, in some of that, we are not teachable sometimes and almost till we've had enough and God wants to show you something. Maybe he's allowed a storm to show you. He didn't cause it for you, but saying this needs to be peeled away. Can, can I get a witness for that? So it's okay. We just have to be teachable. So storms will show us some things. So this is, this is what James uh, 4, 7 says. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the opposite of worry would be peace. So how do we fight back and win? Here's my part. I'm going to give you five ways to, to lose stress. Okay? Five ways. Here's uh, number one. Do it God's way. 
So in other words, we're going to submit to him and do it in his way. You know, righteousness is simply this. Here's a great definition. God's right way of doing things. I'm going to do it God's way. So I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to do it his way. Here's number two. I'm going to change the channel. What do you mean change the channel? I'm going to set my mind to overcome worry by using the word of God. If my mind is stationed to just worry about this, and remember what I just gave you stats on the past, if you're dealing with past garbage, you need to change the channel. You can't change the past. You can only deal with what you're dealing with now and what's coming up. So you need to change the channel, and you can do that by changing your mindset, putting it on the word of God. The Bible says you can renew your mind. So change the channel. A person explaining why they're happy today, they said, today I'm pushing my thoughts around. Yesterday I let them push me around. Abraham Lincoln was quoted saying this, I've been about as happy as I've made up my mind to be. That's pretty impressive. Here's number three, what's the password? In a day of media and sight and sound, there's everything has a password. How many have different passwords for 17 million different things? And you've got to remember that, and if you lose your data or your data or your info, you're like, no. Okay, what's the password? Guard your heart. You're going to have to guard your heart. So then you're going you're to look at what, if it's going to damage, then you've got you to have a passcode there. Are you hearing me? So you've got to stop stuff that's going to come in. Well, it might not, okay, but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. If it doesn't damage them, they're not your heart. You know what? If, there, if there's some things out there, people are like, well, I'm not trying to, Protect, well, I'm not worried about my spouse. I don't care. You know, okay, that's not my spouse. I do care. So I'm going to guard my heart for the things that are important to me. Does that make sense? Say amen to that. Listen to me. You're going to have to put a passcode on stuff because this world's got some crappy stuff in it. You're going to have to say, you know what? I'm just guarding myself. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to change the channel in my mind. I'm going to guard my heart. Here's number four. I'm going to focus on today, not yesterday or tomorrow. I'm really going to stay maintained on today because my tomorrow is going to come if I focus on the Lord. He's going to help me with that. If I don't focus on the Lord, I'll probably still have a tomorrow, but I'd like it to be good. So we better focus on the Lord. So just the busy, uh, just stay with God. Here's number five. Put your hand to it. So what's God wanting you to do? Start putting your hand on that. Get the pulse of that. Be about your father's business. The busier you are doing what God wants you to do during times of trial, the less you think about getting off course from the enemy. Now think about that. There was that old saying, with, uh, idle hands are the, okay, are the devil's playground. So you, you know what that means? And basically somebody's getting that from the scripture we've been reading. They're saying, if you're not doing anything good or your mind's not on God, the devil will put things there. He'll try to keep you busy to get you off course. So focus on the Lord. Put your hand to God. How do you want me to do it? Maybe it's not everything you want to do right now, but you can get your hand in there and say, I want to help. I just want to do something. When you cherish the most important things in life, you're going to realize the most important things in life aren't things. Everybody's got storms. Everybody faces stressful situations. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're a guy in the building, I want you. How many ever saw the show Home Improvement? Tim Allen, I want the guys to do this. <laughs> Girls, I'm not going to leave you out. I want you to go. <laughs> okay, so as long as you know your part, I'm going to help you. Some people here today are saying he is a nut. Thank you. 
Stress, stress, stress. Why does he say stress? I'm sick of stress. I'm sick of storms. I'm sick of all that. And I feel like I'm already the weatherman for 10 TV. <laughs> Storm coming. <laughs> You've been watching clouds for some time. I mean, we've been spending the last few days just looking at the Fox News, just watching the hurricane ravish, you know, Florida and, and going up the coast. Storms, storms, storms. Everybody has them. I want you to understand there isn't anybody that's living today that's exempt from storms or how they handle them. In Matthew 5.45, it says, He makes the sun rise and shine on the good and bad people, and he sends rain for the ones who do right and the ones who do wrong. The scripture says for the just and the unjust. So trials, problems, stress come to all of us. There's no exclusion. If somebody said, once you accept Christ, once you're a believer, you'll never have another problem in the world. That's not true. Because the enemy doesn't want you to be a believer, and he's going to try to mess with you to get you off your destiny. You have to learn, learn how to avoid many and get through them. The Bible uh, clearly states Jesus is greater than any storm you would ever face. And I can do all things through him. So why do some storms come? Some storms come because we're out of God's will. Now I'm going to touch on some things that are you're, you're probably going to be. I, I wish he wouldn't say some of those. I don't like, but I, I'm I got to do what I got to do. So I mean, I, it applies to me as well as it would apply to you. An example, you know, how do, how do you mean, Brett? Look at Jonah. If we looked at Jonah, Jonah was out of God's will. He blatantly disobeyed God, and God sent a great wind, and and soon he was in the water. Jonah told everybody, "You throw me in the water, storm's going to stop." Paul talked in 1 Corinthians 11.30. You know, think about this. He talked about where uh, a communion. There's people that have abused that. And he said many, uh, they were asleep or sick because they were, they were taking and doing things wrong. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 lied about their giving and they just dropped over dead. You know, just, they just lied in, in front of the, the, uh, the apostles and just dropped over dead. So I don't know. I mean, is there something that's disobedient that you're, you're like, oh, I just, you know, there's people that are running from God or doing things that are, that God has said, don't do that. And then they're wondering why there's no blessing following their life. They're blocking that blessing and they're giving avenue and access to the enemy. Some storms, now think about this. Well, Brett, if I'm in God's will, will I ever, then I won't have any storms. No, that's not the case either. This is a test, only a test. Israelites were in the wilderness to humble them and to test them, the Bible says. We could also say the, the enemy has obviously attacked, and, and, but they're in a position where they're following God, and the enemy wants to stop that. If you're in the middle of a storm, it doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean you've disobeyed God. So these are not conducive to everyone. I'm just telling you answers. Does that make sense for you? Okay. Verse 22 of our main text today says he made them get into the boat. Jesus made, you know, so which when I see that made, that means somebody, which I'm thinking probably either Thomas, I doubt we can get to the other side, or Peter, I am not getting in the boat. I'm staying with you. You're getting in the boat. I'm staying with you. I want to stay with you. Get in the boat. So I don't know. He made them get in the boat, the Bible says. And these guys are fishermen by trade for the most part, and they're scared in this storm. So if they're used to living on the water and making their trade, many of them, and the others have, have lived around the water, that must have been a doozy of a storm. That must have been a real woolly booger. 
Jesus put them in the boat knowing. Now, how many knows that he knew there's a storm coming? So he put them in the storm. He put them in the boat. Storm comes. And they are in his will. He said, get in the boat. Go to the other side. Stress is perspective related. We're always in school and we need to learn from our experiences. God, show me how if I learn from you that I could avoid some storms. And if they are, if, even if I'm in a storm, it's not going to affect me because if the disciples had thought he told us he is our rock, he is our fortress, this storm can't touch me. We don't have to worry. Are, are you hearing this? Listen, I got on a plane that was broke, came in, was broke, and my flight was delayed, what, like five hours, babe, or something like that? I'm stuck in the airport. I'm going to go see my mom and dad who are with us today. I'm going to see my mom and dad. They said, well, we're getting another plane in. We're waiting on the plane because they got to fix this one. Five hours, they said, this is what the, the, the steward guy came in and said, I think they fixed the old, I think they fixed the old one. Everybody, please aboard the plane. I think, and my wife's like, I don't think you should get on. I really don't think you should get on. And I had to go, I literally, I had to, I said to her, I said, I'm going to call you back in a minute. I hung up the phone and I said, Jesus, I need to know. I need to know, do I get on this plane or do I not get on this plane? And I felt like Jesus said, you can get on that plane. I got on that plane and I'm telling you, the whole time I'm on that plane, there's, you know, (laughs) in my mind, you know, and I have to, I have to perspective. I got to put it out. That plane took off and it is the worst flight I've ever had. I mean, it's like, I mean, and we're like, the people are gotten stuff's falling off their trays. One of the things pop open, you know, and I'm like some guy, he's been drinking ever since we started on the plane, turns around to me and he says, we're going to die. <laughs> We're going to die. I never should have boarded this plane. We're in the air. And the pilot comes over and goes, this is going to be some turbulence. Just please stay. Remain seated. No one out of your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelt. Bing, bing. And you know what's going through your mind? <laughs> That's what's going through your mind. And I turned to him. And I'm telling you, it's just like the Lord took over my heart. I said, we are not going to die. And he said, we're not. And I said, No. I said, listen, I have a destiny, and it's not to end on this plane. I said, we are going to be fine. This plane is going to smooth out. We're going to be fine. In about 10 minutes, the ride smoothed out. He turned around and goes, another beer, please. (laughs) Turned around and says, I like you, preacher. (laughs) Perspective. Let's, you know, I mean, we even talk about Job. God's bragging on Job. The enemy came and said, listen, I want to mess with this guy because he's not going to stay with you. And God said, you go ahead. Did Job sin? No, he did not. Joseph, he was beaten, sold as a slave, falsely accused in jail for 13 years, but still stayed with God in his will. Now, Joseph did some, I mean, he shouldn't have been bragging to his brother. I got dreams. Guess what? You're going to be bound to me. All that stuff. That can all play into that. But what I'm telling you is, there are things that happen that you might not have all of the answers right away. You can walk in as much light as possible and be in the center of his will and still encounter a storm. But what if God wants you in that storm to be the agent to take care of it? I'm telling you, whether he has more Bud Lights or whatever, the guy on the plane, he's got to think about what the encounter he had when we were there. Got to be careful not to judge people 
Well, you know, if you say, I see them going through that, there must be sin in their life. You better be careful. You have no idea what they're going through, and you don't know any of that. That's not your call to make that. You're not to be that. We, you know, the Bible talks about inspecting fruit. doesn't talk about judging. And sometimes we take that, and we bend that way out of whack. You let God do all that stuff. You don't know what they're stressing about. Let's look closer at what we're talking about today. Jesus is popular. Things are going, you know, he's doing things for the Father. His ministry is well known. He just fed 20,000 people. Um, the religious leaders are more and more uh, getting aware of him and being more uncomfortable uh, because he's gaining respect. He's getting a following, you know, everywhere he goes. There's a mob, there's a crowd. So it's kind of tough because they just beheaded his cousin, John the Baptist, and him and John grew up together, kind of, they were close. They're only six months apart. And, and so he's going through all of this stuff. I mean, he is God in flesh, but he's also human. So his burden gets heavy, and he gets away to pray. He sends the disciples ahead. He gets rid of the crowd, and he goes alone to pray. And that's where we pick up in the story. So I want to ask the question, what does Jesus do for us in the storm? And how do we handle that stressful situation? What do we need to know? What can I expect from Jesus? And here's number one. He prays for us. He prays for us. We find out in 22 and 23, while the disciples were out in the storm, he was praying for us. If we look at Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, he's interceding for you and I. He's praying for us in the middle of a storm. He understands everything. In other words, he knows what you're going through. There isn't anything that you're dealing with that Jesus doesn't know about because he has been, he knows. He's God, he's all-knowing. He's been, according to what we just read, he has passed all those tests. All the guys, help me out. Girls, uh, see, the girls are much better, guys, I'm just saying. Just trying to keep you interactive with me here. He came into the world uh, to talk to us about God. And now he is in heaven talking to God about us. Think about that. He is interceding. I mean, all the times that you're like, okay, and you're taking whatever storms are happening to you and you're turning them over to God. You're casting your care. And he is, you know, he's, he's taking notes on all that. He sees that. He knows what's your, what's your response, how your faith is released. He sees all of that. The Hebrew writer says that Jesus intercedes for us in our time of need. In the Greek, that literally means this, in the nick of time. In the nick of time. So while we're going through any kind of a storm or while we're stressing, if we would learn to cast that in the nick of time, we already know that he's coming. We already know that he's going to help us. He is praying for us on our behalf. People turn in prayer requests here every week and on Saturdays we put them up in a basket and we put them up here. They get prayed on by several people. We have anywhere from 15 to 20 people or so that come on Saturdays and just for corporate prayer. It's open to everyone. And you can come for a few minutes or stay for the whole hour. It just lasts an hour and that's it. But we pray for those. Every one of the seats you're sitting in, people walk through and pray for those. Back in the max where the kids are being taught, they're prayed over. The nursery, it's prayed over. Everything is prayed over. It's wonderful to have a, a family member pray for you. 
It's wonderful to have a close friend pray for you. It's wonderful to have a church pray for you. But isn't it marvelous and and more wonderful to know that the king of the universe is praying for you? He knows what you know. He sees what you see. He feels what you're feeling. He's walked where you walk. He tells the father, they're with me. I have to help them. Here's what they need. He prays during the storm. He takes the stress of you and he carries it himself. Comes number two of what do we do or what Jesus we can expect. Not only is he praying for us, he's coming for us. You need to look for him. During the storm, he's not far away. He comes into our storm. In other words, he's not just on the outside looking in. He's busting through and saying, I'm coming. I'm coming. And he comes through our storm. Malachi, this is what he says about God. He says that he sits as a refiner and he purifies the silver. He said, God is like a silversmith. Let me read you uh, this actual silversmith. He's describing his job. Check this out. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace for the time necessary for refining be exceeded in the slightest degree. The silver will be injured. I never take my eye off the silver in the furnace. I don't want to take it out too early for if I take it out too early, it won't be purified. But if I don't want to leave it in too late, because if I leave it in too late, it will be injured. So when the silver is in the fire, I focus. I don't let anything distract me. I let nothing take me off my focus. I watch it carefully, waiting for the right moment to take it out. And they ask him, what is the right moment? And he said, I know the silver is pure when I can see my face reflected in it. I want that just to seek it. It's just to sink in for just a second. Sometimes, you know, you're going through stuff, but I'm telling you, you're going to get stronger if you yield to the Lord. God, what do you want me to learn in this? How can, how can with you, I can overcome the storm? This storm can't take me. That plane's not going down. This sickness hasn't any part in my body. Because God, you are my answer. Can I see, if somebody looks at you, can they see his reflection? I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever been a storm and you want to say any time now, Lord? You can come any time. When and where are you coming from? Come on, Jesus, please just come right now. But I got to remember. I want him to be on a quick rescue mission, but most of the time he's not. He's on a purifying mission. Something's getting peeled away. I'm getting more refined. He's watching. He's waiting. And at the right time, in the nick of time, not too soon, not too late, he'll be coming. You remember Pastor Gary saying Wednesday, he said, how many, you know, we talk about Jesus coming in the midnight hour, but he he always comes at the right time. It's just not our time. He's coming. He's going to do it at the right time, right when it's supposed to be. And let's look when he comes to us. He comes just before morning. In this story, it's right when it's darkest, just before it begins to tip to the light. Nobody likes to hear that. He's the wonderful person that gives you encouragement. Well, it's probably going to get darker. Thank you so much. It doesn't really have to get darker. Now, listen, sometimes, you know, whatever happens, you can endure it because you have Jesus. Whatever storm it is, it can't get the best of you unless you let it. Because that's optional. Help me, somebody. 
You, you choose. If you're going to let it get maxed and stress you out, that's your choice. If you give in to that, you don't have to give in to that. You just stand on the rock. You stand firm and you say, you know what? It doesn't matter. My Jesus is going to take me at the right time. He's coming. He's equipped me with what I need. And if you get your mind focused, you have the very tools you need to fight whatever the enemy's throwing at you. Now, how long you want to fight depends on how quick you want to get to your tools. What do you want to get to your weapons? I'd get to my word real quick. See, girls are so good. <laughs> Some of us feel like I've been in a storm for a long time and I almost feel like Fred Sanford. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you, honey. Don't you feel like that? And you're like, ah. But was Jesus, was, was he apathetic to them? Was he ignorant? No. He saw everything. He knew where they were. He put them in the boat. He told them what to do. He saw their fears. He heard their cries. He didn't come until the hour was the darkest. He didn't come until he was supposed to come. Jesus knows right when he's going to come in and he's going to be like, ba-bam! And you'll be like, yeah, he's going to be the original Superman. He's going to do what he needs to do and he's going to come when he needs to come. He comes to us over our greatest fears. And all of that. Now listen, the disciples were freaking out about what? Water. Because it's coming in the boat. You know, I don't know if they're, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they have anything to, you know, to, I would imagine. But they're, you know, the water's coming in. The water's going to be the death of us or we're going to drown. I want to ask you this question. How did Jesus come? I love this part. He came walking. What did he come walking on? What were they afraid of? That's what is going to happen to you. If it's sickness, he's walked all over sickness. Come on. If it's, I don't have any money. Well, I'm telling you, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's walked all over that stuff. He, but it's, it's death. What did he do at Easter? He's walked all over that. There ain't nothing that Jesus hasn't walked over. And the proximity of what you are dealing with, what you're stressing about, if you understand what I'm trying to tell you today, is under your... Oh, oh, oh. I'm telling you, whatever you are getting messed with, whatever you're worried about, Jesus is saying, look, it's under your feet. That's the, the principle. He's coming to whatever they're afraid of. He's like, I'm bigger than that. I'm better than that. You can't worry about that. I don't care what you're dealing with. God says it's under your feet if you're putting God in the middle of that. Quit your stressing. He'll come walking on the water. He'll walk to you on whatever your storm is. If it's sickness, quit your stressing. He stepped over sickness. If it's death, quit your stressing. He, he already conquered death. If it's money, quit your stressing. He's got streets made of gold. C.H. Spurgeon said that when God allows us to be put in the furnace, he goes with us. Because the Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. There even, then see, we don't even understand that, but even in the storm, he's never left. We're watching on this particular thing, Jesus in the physical to come. But now, if you remember, and we talked about it Wednesday, he never leaves. So if you're in the storm, he's already there with you. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, Now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Here's our last point this morning. He brings peace. He brings peace. When they saw him, they thought it was a ghost. And he said, don't be afraid. And they didn't really understand everything that was going on and why. And I run into people a lot who think they need to understand everything right now. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you should understand everything. Paul says we look through a glass darkly. God is all-knowing. Our trust must lie in him. Now listen before you shut me out. You can see clearly but not understand everything. You got a pastor who doesn't understand everything. But I believe God will give you the answers for your understanding when we spend time with him and when we ask him. Now, it doesn't mean right at the time that you have to understand. My mom's here today, and there's times I'd be like, I want to do this. I didn't have any time to, she would say no, and I would say why, and she would say, that wonderful parent phrase, because I said so. That's why. And I was not to question that. We didn't have time. You know, there was something else going on. She couldn't explain that, but she would just say, because I said so. Sometimes God will say, I want you to do this. But God, just do it. And he can explain or download to you and you spend time with him and, 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 uh, and uh, praying in the spirit. He can download that answer to you. But it's all based on trust. Brett, I don't understand it. But if I stand under him, I can understand it because he's going to reveal that to me. How many of you know some things you didn't understand at first, but God explained it to you later and you go, now I know why that happened. Now I know why I went through that. Now I know why I did that. I didn't understand why he had me do that. Why did he have me go up and say that to that person? And then later you go like, oh, my word. Because God is deeper than you. He sees everything. Romans 8, 28 says, we know all things work together for our good. Why do we know that? Because we know that God will take care of it. We don't lean on our own understanding, but he can. We can lean on him. He understands and he'll explain it. We just have to stay connected to it. He ministers to us in spite of our misunderstanding. He ministers to us in spite of our fears. He helps us through our stressing. If we stay in faith, stress shows us where we are in our faith. If we immediately go to stress, sometimes I've done that and I've just been like, I'm not proud of that. Sometimes I immediately want to go and be stressed. Has that ever happened to you? Immediately I'm just like, oh, well, if they say this or if we do that, then I stress about that and I need to actually just to stay in faith. Do we trust him? See, when we have storms, they reveal things about us. Stress reveals things about us that we need to possibly take care of. Verse 32, it says, when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind stopped. I love that picture because it doesn't really expound on it too much. But do you realize when Jesus told him to come and Peter went to him, the Bible says he started to sink. So he didn't just go and under the water. He just started to sink. And Jesus says immediately reached out and got his hand basically pulled him right back up and i just love the thought and the picture in my mind they walked back to the boat together is that awesome wouldn't you like to make that trip i mean i don't want to be in the storm but wouldn't that be cool just walking back the boat and the bible says when they got there the storm stopped so many lessons we could learn from that so they finished the storm together 
Jesus will see you through. One more time. I need a grunt from the guys and a... (laughs) Well, I gave you a chance to have some fun. Okay, I'm sorry. I want us just to to bow our heads. I want you just to, to listen to the Lord this morning. Maybe you've been stressing about something. Our prayer uh, team is coming up front, and if if that's you, they're going to stay up here just to help you and to pray with you. Maybe you feel overwhelmed, but they want to they pray for you. They want to believe with you that in the midst of all this, you're going to know that Jesus is coming. You're going to know that he's here. You're going to know that he's helping you. And whatever you're facing, he'll help you, and you'll do it together.